Bring to the Bring to the A little bit of the Bring to the Best there is The best there was Or the best there ever will be Midwest Marks Podcast Welcome one and welcome all to the Midwest Marks Podcast. I'm your host, Eli Guidi. We are on the cups of AEW Dynamite Grand Slam and Rampage Grand Slam. The first time Rampage will be two hours. I am still your reigning and defending Midwest Markout Champion. And tomorrow... I go up against Alex Coquito, the stats man, and he is here tonight as well. Good evening, everybody. This is the stats man. You're soon to be and new by Destiny Standards uh, Midwest Markout Championship champion. Let's talk about some wrestling. We've got our ref that is unbiased. I did definitely didn't pay him off he is my former opponent he is the tea spiller bmat hey y'all what's going on let's get right into it you know we got like a lot to talk about that's right that's right we've got to talk about how alex is way in over his head thinking he can take my markout championship but Besides that, we have to get into some wrestling news. A source from WWE confirmed Dave Meltzer's report. Well, not exactly. He said that it was probably around 1,500 people walked out during Alexa Bliss and Charlotte Flair's segment. Uh, it was more... A source confirmed it was more around 700 people walked out. And the reason is most are saying because it was late they were in uh an area where it was like 10 p.m during that time in that segment and it's a, it's, a, it's a school night it's so uh you know the beginning of the week people got to go to work in the morning so of course people would leave and not stay during the full thing whether that had any effect because it was alexa bliss's segment with everything that's going on with the gimmick and you know, people's thoughts on the doll situation and whatnot. In the audience, it was very engaging. The people actually are behind some of the stuff that Alexa Bliss has been doing now that they've stepped away from the spooky voodoo. But uh, Alexa Bliss or Lexi uh, really got on Dave Meltzer today and just like feeling butt hurt. And Dave responded like, "You're getting, you're getting paid. You're getting your your merch is selling out. Why are you upset?" And it was some truth to what he had had out, what he was being told. It just, you know, it started a whole, a whole uh, cluster f uh, on uh, Twitter and other social media. What's your thoughts on this, BMAC? Honestly, Alexa, she's full of it because, girl, there's been plenty other situations that you could be mad about, as far as some of the situations that's happening with the dark side of the ring situation that we've already covered already, and you have yet to say nothing about that. But you quick to talk about, you know, what I'm saying somebody supposedly, you know, what I'm saying like spinning tea on folks, you know, what I'm saying like not tuning in for your match. Yeah, she picked the wrong battle, and she was loud and wrong for no reason because at the end of the day, 
who cares if people are walking out if you're getting paid you know what i'm saying so i just feel like at this situation she could have just like sat there and said okay like you know what i ain't gonna even respond because i know what happened i was there he wasn't and just took the high road but her showing that she felt the way is definitely gonna give him more ammo to keep like taking these little jabs at you because now you know like somebody who's in middle school you've showed the bully well i ain't gonna call the man a bully but you know what i'm saying you showed the guy that he could get you easily bothered and that was a wrong move in this type of field because she's gonna have to develop like a um, thick skin at some point so i definitely felt like she you know just um, jumped out the window with this one yeah then you know what alexa is a great performer she is great but this you know the it, there's a lot of controversy with the the with Bray Wyatt pretty much losing his gimmick to her and a whole bunch of other stuff the doll stuff I mean a lot of people aren't really invested in that as well and not the best work everyone wants her to go back to the old Alexa of old and the segment was actually I watched Raw it was one of the better segments they're trying to rival with Britt Baker and Ruby Soho did, and that says a lot because WWE is starting to be reactionary, and they said they weren't gonna do that. But you know, it, yeah, to me, I think she just got irked, and I don't know why. We just came out of a pandemic where there was no fans at all. So I mean, come on now, like you, like BMX said, get some thicker skin. What's your thoughts on this, Alex? And all this actually happening, it just sounds like she's entitled. Look. People are going to leave, whether you're the best wrestler in the world or the worst wrestler in the world. You were given a script. You followed the script. You did it exactly the way they, they, they were supposed to, and people still left. Why are you harping on a guy who has an opinion on wrestling? Why? Because you're entitled. And it's sad, Alexa. And by the way, I don't know why you're saying that you missed the old Alexa. I watched that segment, too. It was just the same old Alexa, but with face, ma- face mask stuff on his face on her face that's it the same exact thing it's not Bray Wyatt anymore it's not even a, like a similar style of Bray Wyatt it's just like hey I'm Alexa Bliss and I'm wearing all this stuff on my face and I have a doll in the corner where I believe I can't I mean I like the doll it's cool and everything but you need to shut up Alexa in a sense of this comments let this disappear because these are just wrestling things in a week no one will remember and we'll just move on but since you opened your mouth this thing is not gonna last two weeks. Key key key. I, I really don't like the doll. That's why we're not on the same page, Alex. Where this is why I have to take you down. I have to slap your wrist and knock you back down like everybody else. Key key key. Oh, you gotta try to fringe my name too and everything. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to taz you right now. Let's go. Uh, the the last well not last news tidbit the next n- news tidbit Tony Khan is very happy with AEW he says they are finally turning a profit and things are looking great there have great pay per view buys AEW was in the red some East stands stated because they invested in a video game wait till that investment pays off in a couple of months but I know somebody has has bounds of knowledge on this go ahead be back absolutely you know what i'm saying like tony khan was basically saying what we've already have known to have been confirmed already as far as the results that's been shown on tv and pay-per-view but now he's finally saying it for himself is that which is basically throughout the pandemic dynamite has been very successful their pay-per-views have been some of the most highest rated pay-per-views 
as of late, especially All Out. Like, All Out was the highest buy rate pay-per-view non-WWE since 1999 around the ECW era. And, like, that's a feat within itself because those pay-per-views used to do very well back in that time frame. So, for them to have been, like, the, you know, like the first company since WWE to top over 200 buy rates, well, a 200k buy rates, excuse me, for like a pay per view since that, like, you know, to like that time frame, like that says a lot for them to be only two years old, not even three years old yet. And Tony Khan was basically saying that's gonna give us leverage to get a bigger deal in 2023, you know, so like when it's time for us to go back and, um, sit down with TNT to um, keep our show on that network because let's be clear AEW was the reason the you know TNT was basically fed during the pandemic because the NBA was shut down you know what I'm saying like due to everything that was going on and they didn't have no like shows to fill that time slot as far as prime time but Dynamite every week they was you know like stepping up to the plate so he was definitely correct when he said that he now has leverage to ask them for like a bigger deal because their original deal was $45 million and that's not bad. But um, if they're getting, you know what I'm saying, like for four weeks as the, the like, you know what I'm saying, like number one show on cable, they definitely need more than $45 million to stay on TNT. So I'd go for it. I've been seeing nothing but positive news from AEW whenever they do hit a snag they fix the problem a lot of people a lot of wrestling fans in general just don't understand like AEW is run differently than WWE some of the pitfalls and little gripes and grapes AEW can avoid because it's run by somebody who loves wrestling it's has people around that's been in the business that's seen those pitfalls and know how to avoid them if you're saying, oh, AEW is so perfect, well, like, is they're not as perfect as you think they are. I mean, I mean, they're not. They make mistakes and they fix them. They don't cry about it. They fix them. What's your thoughts on this, Alex? Now, let's be impartial here. When they started announcing the video game, at the time, they were in the red in a moment because they just invested a lot of money. But now with these fans coming back you have all these all these buys from all these people coming in cole danielson and punk and soho like people are want to come in plus everyone's getting their vaccines and people are going in now to places just to experience things again this is a great time to be a promoter on any aspect let's 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 be clear on this tony Khan is making money hand over fist over the fact that people want to get out people want to do something people want to experience what we used to experience to almost two years now and i'm so happy for him like you got the game coming in it looks pretty good you got all these shows coming in you, and and just more to come and this has only been two years so in five six seven years we'll be amazed kiki it's definitely looking good we're at three years in with aew I'm I'm enjoying it, and it looks like they're profiting off of it. So, hey, I'm, that's great. That's, that's great all around. One big thing that AEW is doing partnered with the Heart Foundation. This is a massive source of news. Owen Hart is all elite. He will be able. They will be able to use his name for merch. Possibly video game stuff might be entailed in there. We 
are getting to see Owen Hart, Art's Owen Hart's legacy put in the light that it desperately needs. You could say that AEW is healing the wrestling world of past transgressions, and they're doing it not out of spite. They're doing it because it's the right thing to do for wrestling. What's your thoughts, Alex? It's it's very good that this is happening. Let's say it like that. And I'm actually going to keep it short and sweet. This is very good to talk about, but I want BMAC's opinion on this because he's more insightful. I say this. AEW just struck a gold mine with this Owen Hart deal because you talk about an iconic legend that's still inspired as far as like the generations that's passed in 2021 as they were then, you know what I'm saying? Like while he was still alive, he's going to do much for bringing in those lap fans that left pretty much after he died as far as, you know what I'm saying, like their viewership because, you know, I've been seeing nothing but positive comments saying, listen, I was so heartbroken when he died and, you know, to see AEW, a new company doing what WWE wasn't able to do and wouldn't do, you know, mostly because his wife wouldn't allow them, you know, and she had every right to because, you know, given how they sued her after he died at their pay-per-view, absolutely classless of them, but... You know, shout out to Tony Khan because that shows you how much he's really are about him like bridging the gaps between the old fans versus the new fans. And yes, I can confirm, Eli, it's been confirmed that in the press release, AEW will be including him in the official AEW video console game when it drops. And he's going to be getting his own official AEW action toy figure as soon as possible as well that you know also confirmed so he's gonna do a lot of business for AEW and getting that old like generation of fans to tune into AEW just because he's on that video game and just because they have his toys on their shelves under AEW so this is a massive win for them and shout out to Tony Khan for being able to do that because after you know he died you know his wife wanted nothing to do with wrestling at all and you know god bless her soul and you know her and Bret Hart they still not on good terms but I do feel like it would be a missed opportunity if they didn't have Bret Hart come out and present the winner of that Owen Cup tournament when it debuts and also you know you know I'm saying you know see Basically, I feel like this. That tournament is going to debut in 2022 when those Saturday night specials for AEW starts happening because I can't see them pulling the trigger on that right away. And this is going to be their chance to have their own New Japan G1 type climax type tournament with this event. Full of their young lions, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, like the Powerhouse Hobbs and the Dante Martins of the world. This is going to do so much for wrestling in general, just them being partnered with the Owens. So, Tony Khan, sir, you are the shit and we love you and just keep doing what you're doing because you're breaking barriers that was once known as impossible. So I'm here for this partnership. Absolutely. Also, thank you to Chris Jericho, Martha Hart, uh, Dave Meltzer. He actually pitched some of this as well. And this is a culmination of reaching your hand out and someone taking it. And 
those who might see this as a middle finger to WWE, it's not that. And if you are really feeling that way, you have to ask yourself, who is ultimately responsible for that happening? Who booked it? If you are that, a, a man died, is he was taken away from his children and his wife. Who is responsible? And are they down? Are they they blaming it on uh, on what on who was responsible? No, they're trying to make it right. This is an all round points positive thing for wrestling, positive for the Hart family of all the stuff that's happened to them, for their love of wrestling, what they've sacrificed. This should be a glorious thing to set the record straight for Owen Hart. Period. With that, we're going to go ahead and get into AEW Dark Elevation. First match was Thunder Rosa versus Kara McKenna. Uh, always great to see Thunder Rosa coming out. Uh, started with a, a lockup with arm drags. Rosa hit a single leg drop kick on McKenna. Uh, McKenna did get a little offense and throwing uh, Rosa into the turnbuckle. Got some rip shots in, but Rosa started coming back immediately with some quarter chops. And just Rosa was taking, was had McKenna against the ropes, hit two running drop kicks, and then the fire thunder driver for the win. Thunder Rosa just keeps on racking up them wins. A lot, I hear some rumbles that people are kind of getting angry because she's not on Dynamite as much, but she was on the pay-per-view and she was featured in some Dynamite segments and Rampage segments. But I agree. I think it's time for Thunder Rosa to get some matches on Dynamite, even though she's bolstering that that record. What's, what's your thoughts and the commentary for this match, Alex? Let's get to the stats here. Thunder Rosa, 26-2, and two, number two in the rankings of the women's division. The other one is the debut. Commentary, word, the, word of the day is Adam Cole. Now, they were talking about Thunder Rosa and Eddie Kingston once again bring up Britt Baker. And <laughs> Paul White said, hey, they, I mean, sorry, Eddie Kingston said, hey, don't say his name. Don't say that. Don't say, don't say her name. You know that Adam Cole gets mad. And then Paul White says, oh, what trouble are you getting me getting me into now, man? Do I have to kick Adam Cole's ass now, too? I just got here. Come on, man. And halfway through the match, <laughs> Shivani said this. Johnny, Thunder Rose is a great wrestler, and uh, Adam Cole can kiss my ass. Whoa! Whoa! So, dark and elevation, he's been just hitting Adam Cole back and forth, back and forth. When Kaya, that's her, that's her name, Kaya did a, a nonchalant cover Shivani called it nonchalant. Eddie Kingston called it lazy. Paul White called it lazadaisical. And Paul White said, look, man, just call it like that. Like, I know you have the shovel in your hand, but don't bury the woman. Jesus Christ. And if you if you noticed, when Thunder Rosa did that, that like running, uh, Kaya was on the bottom rope. And then Rosa ran and jumped and did a, a drop kick. She landed right on her chest, and Paul White even said it, the same thing I said in my head. She was standing on her chest when she did that drop kick, and it was vicious. And thankfully, because Eddie Kingston's there, he got some Japanese names. Ogawa style when she did the chin breaker, or Ganosuke, which is actually her uh, fire thunder driver, or thunder rosa driver, but in Japanese, it's called Ganosuke, for everyone that loves Japanese moves. Kiki Kiki. And for those who do not know, 
Adam Cole is mad at Tony Schiavone because he's been hanging out with Britt Baker. So we might be seeing that fabled Tony Schiavone versus Adam Cole match real soon. Not really, but I hope that does happen. That would be pretty dope. BMAC, your thoughts on Thunder Rosa not being on Dynamite as much and the match? You know what? I'm not mad as far as her not being on Dynamite because I absolutely understand the assignment that Tony Khan is on right now. He's building up more girls in the division outside of the championship picture so they can have those feuds on Dark and on Dark Elevation. And, you know, you need that type of programming because I feel like this. If you have it, why not utilize it for something more useful? And I definitely feel like, you know, Thunder Rosa being, you know, being developed on dark as opposed to her being on dynamite right now that's not necessarily a bad thing because you know she has that experience and she can really you know be a ring general for those girls that are younger on dark who needs that match experience you know like the jade cargills like the keller rossies at some point you know when she gets in the ring finally so yeah she's gonna be good for now in that position until it's time for her to battle you know what i'm saying um um, Britt Baker like around I would say full gear and then that's when you know what I'm saying like um she's gonna be featured on Dynamite more but until then yeah like she's okay on Dark however I can understand how that would be seen as a problem because you know y'all just signed this girl out from under you know what I'm saying the you know as far as like a Billy Corgan pretty much like let you buy her contract out and she hasn't been on Dynamite really since then but then again though it's like you have to build up that next crop of new girls and so it's a pecking order. And, you know, Diamani said it best. Everything is a process. And as much as we would like to see Thunder Rosa on, you know, Dynamite more, again, that process has to be done correctly. You know what I'm saying? Like, nobody should just um, jump in line just because they are, are like a bigger name than so and so and so and so. Or else we'll fall in a um, WWE situation where there's one or two girls being featured, but the rest of them, you know, so like they're not being tended to. So he's giving the younger talents, you know, time on um, Dynamite as well as the veterans. So it's a great mixture that he's doing it up. I agree. I agree. Uh, the next thing that happened was the Gun Club came in with a new entrance facing Ray Jazz, Giovanni, and Anthony Bennett uh, in a trios match. And uh, Billy Gunn was wearing a choker for some reason. I wonder whose choker that is. A lot of questions on that. But this match was pretty straightforward. They, The Gun Club pretty much isolated Bennett and just beat the crap out of him. Couldn't really get to his, his peeps until like the end of the match. They hit him with a knee backbreaker and just using double team moves. Uh, he, he did get attacked to Giovanni who tried to bring some life in the match but just got caught up got hit with a neck breaker by Austin and Austin got the pin one two three what do you think about the new theme song for the gun club BMAC I honestly love the new theme song and honestly I'm not gonna lie that song kind of gives me a lot of hangman Adam Cole vibes I mean um oh uh, no 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 not Adam Cole, but it gives me like a lot of um hangman page vibes because I can see them giving that to um Adam Page as a fact I thought they would get to have saved that for Adam Page, you know what I'm saying? So when he do come back and um, battles Kenny Omega eventually for the championship, you know, so like that would have been like a nice little theme music, um, you know, like a switch up. 
but yeah like I honestly think it fits them and they need to be taken seriously so you know it's the little things as far as you know what I'm saying like the um their um clothes changed and the music changed that's going to make people invest in them so if this is the right they're going to get people invested by subtly you know what I'm saying like changing up their theme and their look go for it but at the same time I definitely want to see like where's the storyline going as far as them being undefeated and they haven't gotten a championship opportunity at the tag team titles yet yes they are considered a jobber team by many other fans but as a team I feel like the two Austin brothers you know so like they work well together even though I feel like Austin Gunn like you know he's the better competitor I definitely feel like you know what I'm saying his charisma is better than his older brothers but I think his brother he's more so of the athlete and so yeah like I would like to see him get a championship um, title run at well well um, as far as like opportunity as far as the um, Lucha Brothers to see like how would they match up against them it'd be kind of a, like an old school style versus a high flying style I definitely want to see more from the gun club as far as story threads I know Alice got some stuff on commentary that happened it actually was really weird that the second it started, Paul White said, "You know what? I'm taking off my hel- I'm taking off my um, my earphones. I'm not going to commentate." And he did not commentate for the whole match. And Eddie understood. They were. This was a very short match, by the way. This was like maybe two minutes, two minutes twelve seconds, more or less. I wrote it down. Thirteen and zero as a trio. Put that out there. There are trios, there are tag teams, and there are singles. For anyone that's listening. So if they're they're three starting as three, then they are a trio. Eddie and Shivani were not fighting. They were commentating on the fact that gun clubs feel slighted, but they don't know why they feel slighted. They they don't know why this started. Maybe it's something deeper between Billy and everything else. And Eddie Kingston was saying that this is really hard for him because Billy knows Paul for a long period of time. But he started talking about like he had no friends, but that's for the next match. But that was pretty much it. It was a very straightforward match. They complimented that Austin Good did a great neckbreaker, Ogawa style, by the way. And Kikiki. All right. On to the Dark Order Civil War. It was Evil Uno with Colt Cabana facing the tag team of Nickel and Dime, Allen Five Angels, and Ten. Uh, Colt and Five start at the match. Colt was, you know, kind of being playful while Five was very frustrated, frustrated with Evil Uno and all that entailed with the Dark Order. Uh, Five did get a drop kick on, uh, and then Uno was tagged in. Uno was trying to act like he's still running the Dark Order. Uh, Five got some shots in, and Colt tried to stop him. Kind of hesitant to square up with Ten in a fight. Uh, five hit a tope on Uno. Uno was trying to run away, and still they just kept on having run-ins. They're not really trying to fight each other. The crowd was telling them not to fight. Uh, there was a double-team drop kick and slam on Uno. Uno uh, was stop was stopping Five. Colt was still trying not to get a uh, punch Five. They were just went for a grapple and, and chops instead of, of attacking Five like that. Uh, Fives tried to fight back. He tagged in 10. 10 was also hesitant to hit Colt Cabana. It was, you could just feel that like these dudes, the it's, it's, they're supposed to be family. They're supposed to be fi- uh, not fighting each other. 
Uh, 10 got a lot of uh, uh, European uppercuts and got a 10 count in the corner with striking. Uh, Cabana was starting to get a little bit more angry, a little bit more more uh, into the match. Uh, and these guys are starting to up the ante. There was an exchange between fight uh, between Colt and 10. Just starting, everything starting to pick up. Uh, five did a, a, a sub. Uh, five long was Uno unmasked five in this match. He unmasked his own team member, and then five just got angry. Was able to do a sunrise pin combo to pin Evil Uno. This was an amazing match. After the match, five offered his hand to Uno, and Uno just walked away leaving the Dark Order right where they left off, shattered. What's your thoughts on this match and the commentary, Alex? Stats. 5 is 10 and 18. 10 is 25 and 4. Evil Uno is 21 and 8. And Cole Cabana is 18 and 6 as of Monday. Let's put that out there. This was very sad. We also find out that um, Ma, uh, Eddie Kingston only has one friend. Not you, Shivani. You called me a dumbass a few weeks ago. Call back to what he did. Actually, Shivani did call him a dumbass to a couple weeks ago. So, shout out for that. But then they kind of contradicted him. Like, well, isn't Penta your friend too? Like, yeah. Well, there you go. You have two friends. Oh, well, I have two friends then. But I still don't like you, Shivani. You're a dumbass. Which they calmed down after a couple seconds. When Paul White, when Evil Uno was in the corner with five and giving the punches, Paul White said this. Like, Evil Uno should, I gotta do the voice too. Evil Uno should be a vet and step up. And Eddie Kingston, nah. Be a bitter veteran and bury them. I was like, oh, damn, Eddie, that's cold-blooded. Don't be saying that shit, you know? <laughs> he actually said it like, I would bury them. I would bury them all. It's, it's all about winning, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to happen. When he took the hands off, when he took the mask off, I loved that Eddie Kingston, I think it was Eddie Kingston or, or Shivani said it, like, oh, Brody gave him that mask. That was his first ever mask that Brody gave to him, and it meant everything for him. And he got the jackknife cover, which is all, because of the the the, ang- the anger and the nice little callback to Chris Candido when Five did the Lope to the outside. And we we find out also that Eddie loves chaos. He's like, because Paul White said, well, what do you want it to be working out the Dark Order? Nah, I'll just let it burn. So, oh, great. Yeah, the commentary for this was just adding to the fire. Eddie Kingston just wants the Dark Order to burn. BMAC, I know you've got some hidden tea on this, and we're going to wait, <laughs> especially with the, with, the, with the implications of Grand Slam and the predictions match. We'll, we'll hold off on the tea. But what was your thoughts on the Dark Order Civil War, especially this match? Honestly, I got to say, I've been liking this storyline as the weeks that went on with the division that's being caused amongst like both of the groups as far as like the veterans versus the younger ones as far as, you know, um, 10 and um, 5 because I feel like, you know, 5 is the wild child of the group and, you know, 5 just wants to do what 5 wants to do. All right. He don't want to be told what to do. He don't want to be following nobody's orders. He wants to be on his own and go rogue. And I definitely feel like they're, they're hitting towards him, like possibly leaving the group and being solo because, you know, even on social media, he took his mask off and, you know, he was kind of alluding to the fact that he didn't need the mask 
that you know he can win with the mask or he can win minus the mask and so it's kind of as if though that they're trying to plant the seeds as if though he's going through some type of identity crisis trying to find himself again before he got into the dark order and if this is the route they're going then i'm here for that because i am for one a big fan of you know Allen five angels on the indies pre-aew like he was on fire on the indies and you know for him to be only 22 23 years old young basically like he has a lot of potential and this match showed what he's capable of if he's able to have the pit you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying like the um timing and the opportunity to show what he's um, capable of and him and 10 work well together i love the fact that they play off the fact that you know like you know 10 is the monster and five is the cruiserweight you know what I'm saying? You know, it's like um, he's the one that's flying around the ring and, you know, 10, you know, so like he just ready to like fuck some shit up. You know what I'm saying? It's like a spine busting somebody's uh, spine into the ground, basically. Like, I love that. And, you know, I also got to give props to, you know, um, Colt and Evil Uno because they two work well together. And I also feel like Evil Uno, like he's very underrated as far as his athleticism. He moves well for his size and he don't really get enough credit for that. But yeah, like any tandem of Dark Order combination, they're going to give you a money's worth type of match. And this is exactly what this match was. It was hard hitting. It was aggressive. It was brutal. And they didn't hold back on each other. And I love the fact that, you know, um, Five ended up getting the win. Now, was he shocked as if though he played it off? Mm, I kind of think he expected to get the win. But I like the fact that they, you know, he sold the fact that he was shocked that he didn't really see himself winning. So, you know, again, it's about him trying to find himself. And I'm here for him eventually breaking away from Dark Order if this is the right they're going. Because I do think that he could do better solo versus, you know, him being with the Dark Order. Even if that means him bringing in somebody new. Dun, dun, dun. I, I agree as well, though, that and remember... A lot of people in the Dark Order right now joined the Dark Order because they couldn't get wins in AEW. And Five just showed he can get wins. And I, like BMX said, with or without the mask. So maybe he can without Dark Order. Curious to see where this goes, especially with Anna Jay and Silver and Reynolds. I was hoping to see tag team champions Silver and Reynolds in the Dark Order, but maybe that is for another time, or maybe we'll never get to see it. We'll see. Uh, the next match that happened was Orange Cassidy versus Mike Verna. Verna? Uh, yeah. Uh, with Statlander and Chuck Taylor with Orange Cassidy. Verna was flexing and just uh, not really. Then taking Orange Cassidy serious. Orange Cassidy was doing the hands in the pockets thing with the no effort kicks. Everybody loves it. Uh, Vern was not feeling it. Kicked uh, Orange Cassidy in the gut and had him go down to one knee. Vern was pretty much thinking that he uh, had the match won. Cassidy got serious and hit him with the orange punch to get the one, two, three. Wow. And just changed it up on him. We're going to keep it rolling. Teddy Goods and George Sinti? Yeah. Uh, versus Private Party with Matt Hardy. Uh, these two guys actually got a little bit of offense in, but uh, pretty much it was gin and juice for the win for Private Party. Uh, both uh, leading up to the match that this ever feud will never end. Orange Cassidy and Matt Hardy hair versus hair. Yay. Not really. Not feeling that at all, but no, if it's good, it's good. 
One match I am extremely happy to talk about. One wrestler who has caught my eye, especially in the NWA uh, Empower pay-per-view, is Masha, Masha Slamovich. And it was her versus Hikaru Shida. And it was a lockup. And Masha was just taking it to Shida. She was knocking down Shida in this match. And I was surprised. I'm like, they've been keeping Shida strong while she's been racking up these wins on elevation and dark but masha was actually taking it to her showing some skill with wrist control as well just hitting a western lariat and a gut wrench on Sheeta, and Sheeta was able to come back uh, a little bit uh, use the headbutt and these this match was was hard hitting and i was like this is how women's matches should always be just competitive and masha i hope she gets kicked picked up by AEW or somewhere that she's extremely talented uh, she was able uh, Masha did a, a suplex with a bridge almost to get the pin on Sheeta but it was not to be Sheeta hit the dominator and uh, did a sliding forearm and then hit her katana kick for the win BMAC what was your thoughts on this match first of all I'm loving how they are revamping Sheeta into this more aggressive slow heel turn that I feel like they're going to go with her because ever since she lost to Britt Baker she's been more arrogant during her matches she's been more flamboyant as far as her you know her antics as far as basically showboating if you will during her matches more than usual and so I definitely feel like she's on a collision course to turn heel and which I feel like it will benefit her because let's be honest a heel heater wrecking shit in the division as the standard as Eddie Kingston oh so loves to keep telling Tony Schiavone that Sheila is listen I love the fact that Eddie Kingston every time Tony Schiavone wants to big up Brit listen Eddie not here for that he said listen first of all let's get it all the way understood Sheila even though she's not the champion she's the standard barrier of, she's the bar in the women's division at AEW not Brit and I will have no problem telling you that and yes that's your friend but no sis ain't the standard barrier over here that belongs to Hikaru Shida and he's absolutely correct because he carried the division during a rough time during the height of the pandemic where we wasn't sure what that women's division was going to even survive because you know they went through some trials and errors a lot of them but she was one of them to help keep the lights on for the division and so she definitely has earned her stripes as the face of the women's division even though Britt kind of gave herself that title no ma'am I ain't gonna do that I ain't gonna play that game with you sis it belongs to Sheeta you know but you're the champion though um but yeah you know like Sheeta is definitely gonna have her time in the spotlight again but this match highlighted how much important Sheeta is to that division because she's one of the hardest strikers men or female on that roster and for you to go toe-to-toe with the suplex Russian powerhouse Amasha Slamovich and give her what for which is not e- easy to do at all because she's a powerhouse within herself and so for you to take it to her and basically humble her if you will I was here for it and also you know I gotta you know be the bearer of bad news a little bit 
Masha, you know, she competed at the Impact pay-per-view this past weekend, and she was offered a contract on the spot. Now, did she accept? I don't think she has, but she was offered a contract by Impact, which I hope she turned it down because AEW could absolutely utilize her in that women's division for her to only be 24. They could do a lot with her. So hopefully we'll be seeing her all elite soon if she was able to turn down an impact contract because I think that she would thrive more in AEW than she would impact and that's no shade to them but sis that women's division drives hell over there go to AEW girl TNT you belong on television yeah right now impact is kind of dead I have not been watching it because it just doesn't have that that kick. But maybe Masha would be a welcomed addition, maybe. But let's talk about uh, Hikaru Shida. She's another one that people are kind of upset. And yeah, a lot of people do see her as that standard bearer. She's the measuring stick in AEW, and she's been racking up those wins as well. Same thing with the Thunder Rosa situation. A lot of people want to see her on Dynamite having matches, having matches on Rampage. But right now, she's she had her turn. She had her dominant year as AEW Women's Champion. And I think this is known that she's getting those wins. She's extremely close to being the first woman to reach 50 wins in AEW. So that's amazing. I'm going to go go ahead, Alex, with the with the, the commentary and your thoughts on the match. Uh, stats for Sheeta since she won 41-4. and four. And stats for Masha since she lost 0-2. and two. Now we learned what a Western and a Eastern Lariat is. Western Lariat's for the left, Eastern Lariat's for the right. So we let, let's, let's, let's remember that, ladies and gentlemen. I didn't know that, so that was pretty cool. We learned some names like Gevo San, uh, Sanada, and Masako Tanaka, who invented the, the Falcon Arrow, ladies and gentlemen. When Eddie Kingston said, oh, she does the gatekeeper, uh, Shivani retorted, well, she was till Britt Baker beat her. Like, oh, come on, don't be saying that. You know Adam Cole's going to be pissed that you're going to like say these words. And Eddie and, and Shivani said, okay, sorry, Mr. Producer. Let's just not say anything else. Ah. Uh, <laughs> It's really it, it it's it's good that Masha was there. It was pretty. She was pretty good. She's strong and she's really not great wrestler, but she's pretty cool. Sheeta, like always, is getting more and more dominate, more dominating. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry. Masaka Tanaka was the inventor of the sliding uh, forearm, and she did a dominator and she did her special katana. That's it. Great match, Kiki Kiki. All right, now talk about. Not top tier matches or top tier feuds, I should say. A feud that's been on Elevation and Dark is between Sunny Kiss and Joey Janela. They were a tag team, and a lot of people got behind them, including me. I like what they had, their vibe that they had going. Um, but then, yeah, the whole feud felt the whole thing fell apart. Joey betrayed and attacked Sunny Kiss from behind. He's got Kayla Rossi with him. Uh, Sunny Kiss has got a new entrance. This match was a great example of storyline and a, an amazing payoff. This is my match of the night for AEW Dark Elevation. Let's get right into it. Um, Joey was having trouble taking off that jean jacket. You need to probably get a bigger jean jacket, Joey. I was you were struggling there, uh, but yeah, these these two just came went after each other. Uh, 
Sonny was able to hit that rolling elbow and just do a baseball slide onto Joey and then did an outside moonsault on Joey, just connecting with everything. Joey was able to run away a little bit and to get a cheap shot on Sonny. Uh, Kayla Rossi, while Joey Janela distracted the ref, was able to, to uh, get a, hit a spear on Sonny Kiss. Uh, Joey came back with a... Uh, and it was kind of busted open probably from that rolling elbow and he was able, still able to hit a brain buster on Sonny Kiss and they got back into the ring they were just fighting back and forth Joey was able to get a thrust kick to stop Sonny's momentum Sonny lifted Joey with a press and did a standing moonsault and, then, and intentionally left the knees to, to hit him right in the face making him bleed even more Joey was looking like a hot mess during this match uh, Joey went up top to do a senton uh, got all, he, he did get all of it though uh, but actually no he, he completely missed on the in the ring apron and that looked terrible Sunday hit a DDT uh, Joey Danella was able to hit a Spanish fly from off the top rope and then hit two pile drivers but Sonny still kicked out this match was amazing. I did not expect this level of of match from these two competitors. I know they they have the ability, but I didn't think they would really just pull out all the stops, and they really did in this match. Joey hit a top rope elbow. It connected, but Sunny trapped his arm and then then rolled him up to get the win. After the match, Kayla uh, attacked Sunny, placing her boot on the top of her head. Joey Janela got a chair and they proceeded to beat down Sonny. And they just, Rossi also did a devastating standing moonsault on Sonny to leave her laying. I like the ending to this. It gives Joey Janela somewhere to go now. He didn't get, he got beat, but he still has Kayla's and now we don't know what, what he's going to go after. He's feeling dangerous. They beat down Sonny, even though she got her revenge on the attack that Joey Janela got on her person i know that has been pulling for this match b mac absolutely first of all shout out to joey janela and sunny kiss for being real friends in real life because their real life friendship chemistry was displayed all over the, like throughout this match because they work well together and they are both very athletic in their own right but sunny kiss to me was the start of this match because he came out on fire came right Joey and he was not afraid to get up in homegirl's face yes Miss Kayla Rossi who now has a name she's no longer the mystery woman as they was calling her who kept getting on my nerves when they was doing that because I'm like listen this ain't WWF 1996 this say the woman's name alright let's not beat around the bush here. we know exactly who she is but I'm glad they covered that up you know what I'm saying it was it was better late than never but yeah like this match was a and a prime example of a mid-card feud played out well throughout other types of programming other than Dynamite and Rampage because they've been building this up for months with you know like um basically starting with them being a tag team until their eventual split they've been playing out this storyline very well and you know people trying to figure out okay like why didn't they do nothing with the storyline why didn't they put them in the tag team scene well let's be honest they did that so basically you know, Sonny could get some wins up at that point because by that point, like, he was really winless besides the Cody match. 
as far as you know what I'm saying like one on one matches was concerned so yeah like they basically did that for his benefit so he could grow into himself as a competitor and boy did it pay off in this match because again you know that moonsault that he did on, on Joey Janela he contacted his whole body into that and he gave it all he could but I definitely feel like you know Joey getting the better of him you know I was expecting that to happen but the star outside of him was Kayla Rossi this girl is going to be a powerhouse in the division when AEW pulls the trigger on her as far as her, you know, her in-ring debut because I'm noticing that Tony has a type. You know, he likes the thick gals and he likes the hosses, like the monsters that look like Jade and Kayla because this girl, to me, gives me China vibes from um, the OG Generation X. This is their version of China with Joey Janela. You know how China used to protect, you know, something like Triple H and on D, you know, what I'm saying, and like a D Generation X. Yeah, this is what she's going to be for Joey. And the fact that she, you know, she's not afraid to get physical with the men, we haven't seen that since China. So I'm like, you know what, Tony Khan, you may not like the, you know, something like the males touching the females, but you definitely let them, um, you know, it's like them touch the males. And so, you know, something like I can see that being like, um, that trade-off, you know what I'm saying, like being somewhat fair. But that ended to that match, when she hit that um, standing moonsault, that gave me um, Street Fighter, uh, what's the guy's name? Guile. Yeah. That gave me, yeah, that reminded me of Guile off of Street Fighter when he used to do that um, that a supersonic kick that he um, does perfectly executed and everything so I'm looking forward to them pulling the um, trigger on um, Kayla really soon for her debut in the women's division because outside of Jade and Nyla they just got them official third hosts and they need more hosses in that division you know what I'm saying to keep that balance so yeah her and Jade I said it yesterday when they get more ring experience team them up as a tag team in that women's division and when you debut them tag team titles have them be the monster heels to be that sounds wonderful to me I'm liking Kayla Ross in this match that Joey Janela and Sunny Kiss put on was phenomenal what was your thoughts and the stats and the commentary for this match Alex uh, Sunny Kiss 8 and 10 well actually 9 and 10 because he, he she uh, kissed 1 and Janela eight and three. Uh, Kiss one with, with a crucifix pin to put that out there for one of the lowest wrestling moves. Right off the bat, uh, Eddie Kingston called Janela a swamp person, which is you know that's Janela. He's from Jersey. So that happens. Shout out to everyone that's from Jersey that's listening. I'm not shitting on Jersey. Just saying what Eddie Kingston is saying. Okay. Now. Giovanni was like, oh, look at Kayla Rossi's hairdo. Like, oh, wow. That's really like, how long it takes to do that? And Eddie Kingston's like, dude, get back to the match. Don't worry about her hairdo. Like, her hairdo's her hairdo. Everything else. And while Giovanni was saying some moves, this was a very vicious match. I loved that. I loved all the moves between Kiss and, and Sunny. Right off the bat, giving Janela a rolling elbow in the, in the first, first ding, 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 boom, rolling elbow shows how pissed off Kiss is. Which is the point of the match. <laughs> Eddie Kingston said this. Shout out to everyone that's that's listening that's an old head like me. When Shivani said a good mood, a good move, uh, Kingston said, Oh, that's not bad, Shivani. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna call the Crockets and see if they can give you a job. 
you know, and then Shivani said, well, that's too late. And they just, everyone started laughing because we all know what happened to the Crockett's. Now, that, it was a standing moonsault, what she did, similar to what Alexa Bliss does, but Alexa Bliss uses her knees. And this one, I think she was going for the knees, but once she got the, the two feet to the stomach, she just landed it anyway. So it still looks vicious. But I think the next time she's gonna do it is either gonna do the same thing twice, which is like a standing moonsault double stop, or it's gonna be a standing moonsault double knees, which is a little bit more safer. Because Kayla Ross is not a thin woman. She's a thick, muscular woman. So damn for the person that's gonna take that special. Key, key, key. All right. We are not going to get too much into this main event. I couldn't believe this was the main event. It was QT Marshall versus Dustin Rhodes. Dustin Rhodes was able to get the win. Uh, Dark Elevation was a more coherent show, especially with that Joey Janela versus Sonny Kiss match. It was very good flowing. Uh, Dustin Rhodes, again, did get the win. Um, for various reasons, we're not going to go over it. Um but I'm wondering what they're going to do with the factory. It seems like they're just spinning their wheels. They had the random match with almost no build with with um, Paul White. I, I'm, I've got to be honest, with AEW, I'm not feeling the factory. This is one of the latter things that I'm not feeling in in this, in, uh, especially on these kind of shows. They're getting their reps in, but I'm not feeling it. What about you, B-Mac? I honestly, I'm waiting to see what the payoff is going to be because I have yet to be able to figure it out. Normally, I'm very good at figuring out like what the payoff to something is going to be. And this is one that really has me confused because I really do not know what the ending to this like the storyline is going to be because first of all you've already you know what i'm saying um, battled cody you know what i'm saying like qt already battled cody lost to cody you know he's already battled dustin lost to dustin you know i'm like what is next for this storyline to have and you know i'm just not sold on aaron solo like the star of that group you know what i'm saying like prior to him leaving could have been well i ain't gonna say leaving but you know what i'm saying like until he gets back as far as his uh visa his uh visa issues was anthony agogo but once he left nick camarado automatically took over that spot because he could be a star in aew if they would just get him away from the factory they have another monster that they could really be pushing who looks nothing like anybody on tv right now as far as just look because again he looks like he's from the NWA 1980s era, you know, you know, which we've already had that conversation as well. They could be capitalizing off their look and, you know, like doing great things with him potentially in that TNT championship picture as a serious threat contender. But they got him paired with, you know, a QT Marshall, who I really don't feel like he needs QT Marshall. But yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with the storyline. And so hopefully we'll see. But so you know what I'm saying like after Grand Slam where this is going or sometime before Full Gear because again AEW is not known for having storylines that get stale but this is leaning more so towards the stale side because we don't know what's going to happen and that's not AEW style so hopefully they can give us some kind of inclination of what's going to happen because right now it's not looking like it's leading anywhere as far as a big payoff so they need to get it together I agree. I'm just not really feeling where the, where where this could go with the factory anymore. Nick Camarado, yeah, is a clear star in this. 
All right, we're going to go ahead and well, Alice, do you have anything you want to add for the end of commentary for a dark elevation? Yeah, just three things, and it was uh, crapping on uh, QT Marshall. One, the second QT Marshall came out, Giovanni said, "What a jerk ass." So that's pretty funny. Two, um, Paul White says, "No, that song is that QT Marshall song is like it's very catchy but kind of crappy at the same time." And then Giovanni says. Oh yeah, if you listen to the lyrics, it says, I got choke slammed and a thumb up my ass. So, I don't, okay, Shivani, you just, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. It's, um, Kingston said, you know what, here, Shivani, say the moves, I don't want to step over you. Oh, what else is, what else is new? Oh, my back! Representing that Eddie Kingston stepped over on Shivani's back. So, oh yeah, Mox texted, he wants me to bury QT, but I'm not in the mood. And uh, QT twenty two and five, Kiki. All right, yeah, I like elevation. It's definitely more of a flow. The flow of elevation was really, really good. They're keeping that style, and we'll see. We've got some some news. There might not be an elevation next week. Is that right, B Mac? Yes, you know what I'm saying. Um, you know what I'm saying because I have some some um, followers who was at the. You know what I'm saying? Like the um, site, as far as, you know what I'm saying? Like the um, Dynamite setup, and they're basically suggesting that they might not even take Dark Elevation this week. You know what I'm saying? Like due to us getting that like four hours of TV this week. So they just might skip straight to um, Dark on Tuesdays, which is now known as the official All Elite Zone, as we saw tonight on Dark. So, you know, so basically, yeah, which would be a good thing because 14 matches is going to be a lot for them to tape after four hours. So it'll be a smart thing to not have Dark Elevation. And because, you know, they basically, I, I think they taped over 40 matches, I believe, last week. You know what I'm saying? Like for the um tapings in Florida at um, Universal Studios. If, you know, so they can at least get away with that for like at least like four or five weeks with no dark elevation if they choose to and just like go straight to Tuesdays or put some of those matches on Mondays well we'll keep an eye on what they're gonna do with that but I'm glad they did because yeah they got a big show tomorrow and on Friday so we're gonna keep monitoring all that goes on with dark elevation and dark speaking of aew dark we've got to get into the uh, it, it was a very long show we're not going to get into every single match but the big stuff and character growth and those who stood out that are still you know those new stars especially some chicago natives and we're going to get into that right now Wardlow started the show saying that he's going to remind everyone that this is Wardlow's world. The first match was Wardlow versus JDX. He is a Chicago native. Uh, They were in Florida, but man, he got some great chance Did JDX. Uh, He was actually taken into Wardlow with some strikes and kicks, but unfortunately, Wardlow showed him what it was, got shoulder blocked. And just kept on power bombing this man. Power bomb after power bomb after power bomb after power bomb. Then he put JDX in the corner, hit that TKO, which he causes the casualty of war, and he won by ref stoppage. Wardlow is no joke. He is being built as a monster. What's your thoughts on this? The commentary, the stats, Alex. Wardlow, 15-4, JDX, 
zero and two, now zero and three. This commentary was basically, they were talking about the fact that this guy, Wardlow, is so powerful that by himself, that he can be a monstrous person. They did bring up the fact of the stats that he has the record for the shortest amount of ring time in the longest amount of matches. So he's had 15 matches. He's had 19 matches in 2021, and he's had the shortest amount of ring time record because most of the matches are just ring stoppage. So I did like the part where, where JDX said, you know, go down. And then he immediately went down. So I think JDX was just telling himself that. Too bad for himself. Five power bombs he gave JDX. And then the casualty awards the corner. Ouch. He's, he's on his way up. Kiki Ki. I'm really hoping they give Wardlow a little more, especially going into full gear. Give him a match. Give him something else to do. Wardlow is definitely going to be the star. I know they're keeping him and they're holding him tight to pull that trigger. What's your thoughts on Wardlow and the match BMAT? That is absolutely time for them to break him away for MJF after um, full gear, immediately after full gear. Break him away from MJF because the man can talk. He doesn't need MJF as a promo to talk for him. He's a monster who can talk, he can move, and he can wrestle. Let this man off his leash so he can go and just like run through the division and climb his way towards that TNT or the AEW World Championship picture because he's going to be one of those two champions like down the line. You know, it's like that's obvious. You know, he has a look, you know, he has the body. He has the crazy athleticism. Like, again, it's like let him loose. And as far as this match, this match was exactly typical Wardlow fashion. He basically ran through the guy toyed with him like he was, you know, so like a toy with a um dog bone or something, you know, so trying to get that last little piece of meat off before he sucked it dry, basically. And that's exactly what he did, you know, so like poor guy didn't even stand a chance. Now PDX, oh, I mean, not PDX, but like JDX, he has a look to him as well. I would love to see more of him on Dark Elevation in rotation because he has some crazy athleticism on him as well, you know, so like if he can get the chance to show some. But this match, again, was a typical Wardlow feast fest. And then, and like, that's for a power bomb. I haven't seen them, like, really do moves back-to-back like that in AEW. So I don't know, like, what the trend here was with Wardlow tonight. But, you know, so like it definitely... um. You know, so like send a message that, you know, he's not to be messed with. He can like rip you in half or he can like knock you out with that knee strike, which I love his knee strike, by the way, because it gives off this sports centric bob that, you know, Tony, that uh, Tony Khan was um, coining at first when AEW first started. As far as like the um, UFC real sports type bob, like that's what his finishing move off the ropes gives me. Is that, you know what I'm saying, like that real life knockout, I can like knock you out at any given minute and like you won't even see it coming. So yeah, like he's going to be very dangerous once he breaks away from MJF because, you know, he's going to be a star and I'm just waiting for them to crown him as one of the champions because once he gets, you know, so like one of those championships, he's going to be hard to um, take it off of because he's going to be very hard to beat. So like I'm here for Wardlow. I am as well. Oh, we got to see a real special treat of uh, someone I've seen on the Indies who has just been getting a lot of groundswell. She's known as Allie Cat, but in making her AEW uh, debut, Allie Catch uh, faced Big Swole in this match. They locked up 
and she and Allie Catch got the advantage. She was striking Big Swole in the corner and just taking it to her, having control of the match, technically sound, and just showing all what she could do. The crowd was really behind Swole, though. Uh, Swole started to fight back. She did a headbutt, it would stop both of them, and uh, Swole was able to get to the get to him get to her first with a rolling elbow rolling elbow strike for the win we're gonna keep it rolling good to see ali catch though uh she i hope we get to see her more on aew programming a match i want to get into is chaos project versus santana and ortiz always good to see proud and powerful getting some more matches i feel like they are on the cups of getting more time and hopefully on to those tag team championships uh, Santana and Serpentico started this match in a lockup and tried to do a, a kind of a test of strength but Santana just pretty much dominated it and took advantage in the match uh, Ortiz uh, was trying to get to Serpentico early in the match uh, from the apron just messing with these guys uh, this was pretty much Santana just getting the or getting the upper hand on Serpentico for a minute and then Ortiz was tagged in, uh, used wrist control, and just kept Serpentico down. Uh, but it, stuff, it changed over. Luther was able to use Serpentico as a weapon when they were going for some dives. Santana went for a dive messed up uh, by Luther. Then uh, Ortiz went for one and go for a, a, a tope. Luther keeps on using Serpentico as a weapon to stop them. Uh, they just double-teamed Ortiz from then on, just, just locking them down. Chaos Project got a lot of control in this match. I was surprised. These guys on Dark and Elevation have been like pretty much the their premier team in some aspects. They've been holding it down, having some fantastic matches. I've been off and on with Chaos Project, but here tonight, they really showed something with me, especially Luther. Just I like the dynamic they have. It reminds me of the Damian Sandow thing. You know, it's funny, but there's still some some work to it as well. It's a great in-ring work. Uh, they were able to get the the uh, the match back. Ortiz and Santana. Just uh, Santana was able to hit the three amigos, uh, paying tribute to Eddie Guerrero. Uh, they did. They got Trapensco by himself, pretty much. Did uh, some double team moves, and pretty much uh, Ortiz and Santana got the win. Proud and powerful, getting another win, and surprisingly chaos project doing some pretty good moves in this what was your thoughts and the uh, commentary and the stats for this alex chaos project sadly 10 and 21 pride and powerful nine i think eight and three and the number four in the tag team rankings i did like the beginning of the match uh <laughs> Excalibur said, oh, you know, Chaos Project, they're really big Harry Potter fans. They were in Universal, like, camping out early. He's like, oh, that was them? Like, I saw a couple campers and a couple of demon skulls and stuff like that just parked away early in the morning yesterday. You know, all that Harry Potter Jones stuff, what you said. I don't know, like, just Taz just burying them. This was a good match. I, it's... By the way, we, we tend to forget that on Elevation... Uh, Proud and Powerful had a match against Good and Jones. And so they were seven and three, and they won that match really quick, two minutes. So this is the second time, Monday and Tuesday. You want to put that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, it's funny watching Chaos Project do the funny things back and forth. Uh, Serpentico's a good 
like living human weight. And I just want to say, Eli, great play by play by by for the Pride and Powerful and Chaos Project match. I want to I want to give props where props is due. Sadly, you're gonna lose on Friday when I become the new Midwest Mark Out champion. But uh, Kiki Ki. Well, thank you and screw you. And uh, so the. BMAC, what's your thoughts on that Chaos Project and Santana and Ortiz match? I definitely feel like, you know what I'm saying, it was a fun tag team match and they got basically like a lot of offense in against a team that they really should not have gotten any offense in pretty much. But, you know, so like they kept it like pretty much close until the end. But I'm glad that Pride and Powerful were able to get the win because they are on a collision course with the you know what I'm saying, like tag team champions at some point. And that's going to be a showdown to see on pay-per-view, possibly at full gear. And I'm here for I'm proud and powerful of finally getting this push because they deserve it. You know what I'm saying? Like they've worked hard for it. And so, yeah, like, you know, just like keep them in the championship picture. And, you know, it's like I always have time for them on um, television as well as um, Dynamite. I love it. I love seeing them win Ortiz and Santana. I'm really pulling for them, and I can't wait. Um, hopefully, we get to see them face the Lucha Brothers or whoever's going to be the tag champs pretty soon. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, one match we're going to kind of glance over. Just want to get some thoughts. Uh, getting to see Dylan McQueen versus Joey Janela. Dylan, we haven't seen Dylan McQueen in a uh, in a bit. One thing I really like about this guy, he just gives, he just goes out there and gives it his all. Still very fresh and new, but he just gives it all. And I, I really like seeing Dylan McQueen. Anything on this match, Alex? Zero and three for McQueen. Janela nine three. Taz said, "Baby, at the right exact time." Uh, Excalibur said that's good corporate synergy, so good for them. Uh, it's great that Taz said, oh, it's great that Janela invested in New Year. And uh, Excalibur said, well, he didn't invest in, in dentists. So too bad for him on that. I did like that every time they, they, they talked about Kayla Rossi, they say like, oh, she's angry. And they kept they kept like kayfabing the, the level of anger in her in the match. So every time Jenna got hurt worse and worse, you saw her face get angrier and angrier. And this is a very China Triple H, like B-Max said. The second Janela threw McQueen out of the ring, Kayla, gra- Kayla grabbed him, bop, bam, to the barricade, threw him back in, time for a special, let's go home. So that's a good chemistry. Key, key, key. Anything on this Dylan McQueen versus Joey Janela match, B-Max? Again, like this match was closer than what it should have been. And I think Dylan, you know, for him to be back on AEW programming, it's clearly that they see something in him as far as potential, you know what I'm saying, for him to be so young. But I got to give, like, to Kelly Rossi, she was the star based off this match to me as far as her presence because again her presence gives me so much of early China from Degeneration X and I know that we were saying it about Jade Cargill at one point in time but Jade is a whole entity within her own at this point so I won't even give her that China comparison because to me you know what I'm saying like that China comparison doesn't fit her and that's no shade to China but yeah Jade doesn't belong in that mold Kayla Rossi is 
their China in this role because again, you know, she's protecting Joey like China protected Triple H at all costs, and she's not afraid to get physical with the men. And yeah, she showed it again tonight. You know, it's like as soon as he went outside, she was attacking her. Well, you know, what I'm saying like I'm his opponent and tossing him back in the ring immediately. And so again, like she has that fear factor that she doesn't have no gauge on the levels that she's willing to go to protect Joey. So again, Joey may have just had a career turnaround with her as an X Factor because she's gonna play more of a vital role to his career than we realize. You know, we think that he's doing her a favor, but she's gonna do him a favor by her presence alone because now people are gonna wanna know like who is that woman that's you know you know something like that's built that's buff and she's kicking these guys asses that's twice her size but she's not afraid to go there so yeah shout out to Tony Khan for putting her in this role as his bodyguard versus putting her straight to, on television and so yeah like I'm definitely here for Kayla Rossi's further development in the AEW women's division because I do feel like with Jade Cargill once she puts it all together they're going to be looking at another cash cow and both Jade Cargill and Kayla Rossi back to back and again I gotta keep harping on it they both have the look when they make that tag team division I would I could see them as the possible tag team champions when they put it all together in ring because they're going to be a force both of them on their own but if they come together that's the hottest match I would love to see on Dynamite or Rampage on a Friday night two hot women going there yeah with, with Jade I feel like she's got that that kind of Brock Lesnar attitude kind of vibe to her like I, I, I know I'm all that I look like I'm all that I, I can sh- if I'm the champion I'm only showing up when I got to defend my title and I'm gonna get away with it and you can't say anything otherwise Jade screams that for me but I definitely get the the China vibes from Kayla Rossi I, def- I see what you mean by that so I, that, that is an interesting dynamic I hope they play on that in the future if they're listening to this podcast please please play on that that would be awesome we're gonna skip some of these matches a little bit uh ty conti had a match against marina tucker uh one very interesting thing was uh, anna j and negative one was there with her negative one especially everything with the going on in the dark order right now i, I wonder what side he's gonna go on or where he's gonna lie in this dark order civil war Ty Conti was able to get the win and uh, I don't know was that her daughter or somebody else's daughter or maybe her cousin she uh, kissed a baby at the end of the match any word on this anybody um she doesn't have a child as far as I know but she was married though but like I don't think she has any physical children as of yet that I know of she, she doesn't she didn't see a punk she just kissed a random person and just moved on that's a random baby a random baby. But uh, Lee, Lee Johnson and Brock Anderson had a match against Luke Curtis and Cameron Stewart. Uh, Lee Johnson and Brock Anderson was able to get the win in this match. They put on some impressive work. Uh, I just think they need something else other than just being associated with the Nightmare family. Uh, Luke Curtis and Cameron Stewart were were pretty good heels. They were stepping on the back of uh, Lee Johnson. Lee Johnson stepped on their back. I like the added attitude they put on this. They also did, uh, Brock Anderson did the spine buster right after Lee did the frog splash for the win. So, yeah, I'll see them back. 
All right, now this match I definitely want to get into is another tag team match. Stallion Rogers and Anthony Green. Very interesting. They faced FTR in this. I believe both of these people were cut from WWE. They were supposed to be on 205 Light. Am I am I right, BMAC? Yeah, they were cut from WWE. And they were on 215 Live, but they never made it past the um, barrier ground over there, unfortunately. But yeah, like they came straight from the 205 Live scene. Now, I was tired as hell from writing my notes, so I, I kind of slacked on this, I must admit. But from what I saw, they were giving FTR a run for their money. I thought they were just standing like, why are they just standing around? Like, no, FTR is trying to figure these dudes out, trying to see how they can get the win over there. And they were really having trouble with these two guys, especially Stallion Rogers. I didn't think that it would be seen too much from this dude. He was putting on a clinic, an a, array of moves. And I was watching this match. I'm like, these guys, they are they are good. There's no wonder they were in WWE. Why did they get fired? Anthony Green as well. I'm like, this is the third young buck right here. The way his uh, outfit was, and he was actually putting on some pretty good moves, dodging FTR. Dax was like getting frustrated. Cash had to really bring out the extra for FTR to get the win on these guys. I think they just really wanted to give them a good match, and it really showed. I enjoyed watching this match. Alex, you got a little bit more detailed, the stats and the commentary for this match. FTR, 21-2 and because they won. I never even seen Green and Rogers before. Those guys can freaking go. I did like the commentary. Every time they did a special move, they had to have a standoff, and... Excal was like, well, it's kind of like a semi-standoff, but still a standoff, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> when he said, you know, when Sting and Darby are going to fight FTR, I think on Friday or Wednesday, would it be the same with Sting kind of like fighting Tully and Arn? And Taz is like, no, it's not the same, because Tully and Arn fought, I mean, fought, fought in 1985, and was like, what? I mean, I mean, 1989. What? I mean, 1990, Excalibur. Okay, stop correcting me. Okay, I just, I just, shut up. So, the special moves, by the way, uh, I think this was Dax. Dax did a powerbomb to Rogers, and then he did a jackknife cover with Rogers countering it into his own cover. I wanted to say that. That was pretty badass. And Dash Wheeler's special is like sort of an X-Flex that Moxley does, but he just kind of flips you over in a suplex in a sense but maybe he just wanted to be safe and did it just like kind of halfway so i respect that corkscrew crossbody that green did outside or not i think no not outside inside thing of beauty low uh rogers did the low pay really good and the victory rolls that they were doing back and forth i want to see them again i want to see those two again i want them to not be in a crew not be in a group just be like 2.0 if you guys can talk like 2.0 you guys can get over. By the way, they're still BTE champions. Kiki Ki. Yeah, I definitely want to see more from Stallion Rogers and Green. These two actually they made them look good, but they also held their own. What was your thoughts on this match, B Mac? 
that this is the type of tag team that Tony Khan would love to sign the first chance given because these guys gave FTR everything they had and then some in a bag of chips. All right. You know, they wasn't afraid to go after the, you know, you know, so like, you know, so like basically the top team after the Bucks and the, um, the Lucha Bros in the um, division, they went after these guys with everything they had. And for them to be like a young tag team as far as their chemistry, you never could have like told it tonight because they wrestled like two veterans who have been wrestling together for the past 15 years, damn near, almost like the Bucks have. Because like they really took it to FTR and they got in a lot of dope offense. And again, WWE firing these guys and not doing nothing with them shows you how behind they are as far as their process of hiring and you know scouting talent because I definitely would have not let these guys go. They would have been in somebody's championship scene on a WWE pay-per-view if I was in charge over there because these two guys have what it takes to go in the ring and be stars in the ring. And like Alex said, you know, it's like they can cut a promo like a 2.0 they will definitely get over with the AEW base because when it comes to them wrestling bell to bell skills, baby, ain't nothing to be questioned about that at all. So I definitely want to see them back in AEW on um, rotation or on dark elevation or even the all elite zone on Tuesdays. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm getting some um, wins and you know what I'm saying? Like I'm building a name for themselves and getting a stock up. You know what I'm saying? Like prior to them getting signed by AEW because again, AEW has the deepest tag team division in the game, but when you have two athletes like that, signing one more team won't hurt at all. And they can easily rotate teams in and out when they need to. So I'd sign these guys in a heartbeat. You know, it's like if I'm Tony Khan. I'm right there with you. We're going to talk about the two matches that I really want to talk about before we end the show. And on all these other Dark Order matches, Colt Cabana, he was there and he's an evil... Oh, not Evil Uno. Negative One. Well, he was there too. Negative One still came out with Evil Uno. So he's caught in the middle. Negative One is caught in the middle of this Dark Order Civil War. And I would like, he came out with five as well. And it was just, it's, it's just crazy. I'm, it really makes me sad because of once where the, where the Dark Order was as a faction. All right. Uh, we're going to talk about Daniel Garcia versus Five. And also, I believe that what was the other great match that they had was Daniel Garcia versus Five. And let me see. We had the Factory versus Maluda, JD versus JD Drake versus Cole Cabana. Not that match. I don't want that. Uh, Eddie Kingston versus uh, Bear Bronson. Yes, we'll talk about what we like about those two matches. As far as dark, I'm going to give the match of the night to Daniel Garcia and uh, Five. These two put on a clinic. They were just going. I like Garcia's style. He just is very angry and just goes after it and, and just shows that he's just a serious heel, a serious young young hungry up and comer against five style of just doing everything and he always fights for like he's like trying to prove himself like we just talked about him on elevation uh these two actually were really really good 2.0 helped garcia as well uh 
five put in the Koji clutch and was just got double teamed a little bit, got his eyes raked in this match. Uh, you really must watch. If you're going to watch any match from these shows, watch Daniel Garcia versus five. These two put on amazing clinics. What was your thoughts on this match, BMAC? First of all, did anybody catch that subtle hint? Listen, AEW commentary alluded to the night that AEW has already signed Daniel Garcia, which we already knew. But of course, it doesn't hurt to have Taz, the mouthpiece, the motor mouth who can't keep his mouth closed. And baby, we love you for it because he definitely spilled that tea when he said Daniel Garcia and Allen Angels are two of our youngest competitors on the roster, but these guys are already going at it. I said, what? They ain't even dropped the Holy League graphic yet, but then again, like Chris Jericho, who be dropping signing tea on his uh, Saturday night specials as well. Thank you for the confirmation, because now they can really push the um, trigger with this guy, Garcia, because he wrestles like a technical wrestler twice his age who's been around twice as long and he's only 22 years old and can we talk about the fact that Brian Danielson gave him a lot of props this morning in his interview with ESPN he said and I quote Daniel Garcia reminds me of my younger self I see a lot of myself in Daniel Garcia every time I look at him and oh he also gave props to Dante Martin when he said for Dante to be 20 years old he's doing stuff I've never saw before if that's not a big compliment to the push that they're giving him let's talk about it so yeah I was here for Garcia versus um, Angels because again those are two of the young guns in AEW who's going to be carrying that torch one day after the you know, the veterans that we see now every week retire eventually. And, you know, they're going to be in good hands because these two guys can go and have a long-term feud and put it on pay-per-view and they tear the house down. So I was here for this match tonight, getting, a, you know, some, like a glimpse into what they're going to be giving us in the future on big shows on Dynamite and on Rampage moving forward. So keep pushing these two young guys, especially Garcia, because, you know, you know, he is an angry heel, but he's a heel that understands to be so young, the basics of what it takes to be a better, better technical wrestler. And he's going to be great in two or three years once AEW finally pulls the trigger on him. And he's going to be something to see because he's already halfway there. But like once he gets them promos up to date, he's going to be dangerous, very dangerous and very hard to deal with. And yeah, that division is going to have a problem on their hands. I agree. Both Five and Daniel Garcia put on a spectacular match. This is why we watch Dark and Elevation. You find hidden gems and matches that you really want to see competitors, especially young competitors like these two. And Daniel Garcia, he is technically sound. It's unbelievable how he's so young and so technically sound. Alex... I, go ahead and handle the rest of the show, man. I want you to go out on a high note, because you know I, you're gonna about you're about to lose starting tomorrow. It's gonna be de- I don't want you to be depressed. You're you're part of this podcast, man. So go ahead, handle the last match of dark. Eddie Kingston versus Bear Bronson. Give all the commentary and all your stats. You know, just just really go for it. Might be your sure. last time. Oh, of course, it might be the last time for you as the as the former champion. But let's go, Bear Bronson, 11 and 13, Eddie Kingston, 23 and 7. Automatically, 
Excalibur said, you know what's really weird? The logo for Bear Brock for the Bear Country looks like a raccoon. Taz says, yeah, it, it's to uh, keep them off their scent for all the predators out there. So good for them up in Bear Mountain in New York. Eddie Kingston and Bear Bronson was a really good match. Eddie Kingston's showing off that you can beat the crap out of him, but he's just not going to let go. Strikes back and forth. Bear Bronson was trying to be more powerful against, against Eddie Kingston, and it was a good match to the point that Eddie Kingston was a little hazed on the floor. Bold, uh, Bear Boulder did not jump into the match, which was actually pretty good that they gave him a one-on-one. In the, end of, in the end of it, Eddie Kingston gave him the Hurricane, one, two, three. And I want to say this. I know that Bear Boulder is ready to, to wrestle, but it's smart of them to ease Bear Boulder back into tag team matches. Bear Bronson is doing really good in singles, and he needs the rub. Even though he lost, and even though Eddie Kingston doesn't really need the win, it's showing that we're not forgetting all these other characters at all. So good for them. And uh, as I will be by Destiny Standard, your new Midwest Markout Champion, I take it back to the former. Eli. Well, that was Elevation and Dark. Dark is kind of running a little long on this one. Last episode was not that bad. Uh, we got some really good gems in, in this show. Some we had to go ahead and skip over. Please check out both of these shows if you like wrestling. Just want to see some great matches uh, and just see up-and-coming wrestlers. This is why we do it. And tomorrow is a big day. It is AEW Grand Slam, and we are looking forward to Rampage Grand Slam on Friday. The predictions match will drop two hours before AEW Dynamite Grand Slam. Myself, Eli, the Book of Kings versus the Stats Man. Alex Coquito with BMAC being the impartial referee. Please check it out on YouTube. Check us out. Give us a follow on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. We talk about wrestling in general, wherever you see it, wherever you can get it. Please follow the Midwest Marks Podcast. That being said, we're going to call this episode to a close. We only end this episode one way and one way only by counting one, two, three, mark out. Mark out. Mark out. And before we go, I just got to say, as me being a tea spiller, there will be surprises tomorrow on the um, show as far as um, Grand Slam. So y'all are going to want to tune into that. Y'all better watch it. <laughs>